This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. With respect to the significance of the night, cancer's probably touched most everybody in this room. Uh, what does this mean, uh, this night rather, mean to you in particular? Well, my dad died of cancer, so and I just lost my good friend Tommy Curvers. So it means a lot. And I, you know, a, a, a really good friend of ours in, in Halifax, we went to high school with her. Her granddaughter is fighting cancer, so it means a lot. Hockey fights cancer night uh, tonight. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche um, and the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, you know, uh, just you know, an outpouring of emotion there at the end uh, from Rick Bonus, who I I believe is you know just a, a good man. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously a day like this, and I, and I thought you know we got a lot to get to over the course of the show here, Jim. Um, you know, we're going to be talking to Connor McGahey later on the show, play-by-play man for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of Josh Morrissey as well, but I thought we should probably um, get the show started off here and um, talking about what today is about in the National Hockey League and, and here in Winnipeg on Hockey Fights Cancer Night. Yeah, exactly. And uh, good afternoon, everybody. It's a, it's a huge night. It always is. It's one of the toughest nights to um, watch uh, these brave young souls come out and, and take a twirl knowing what their battles are going through and, and their family. It puts a lot of things in perspective. Um, not only hockey-wise, but life-wise. And it's always a, a, a beautiful, great, um, but I will say tough evening because we all know um, somebody who has or is. Um, and when you see kids that young, just the braveness they have, it's one of my favorite nights at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And to talk all about it, we only got a couple of minutes here, uh, but we're bringing on Laura Curtis, Director of Marketing and Communications with Cancer Care uh, Manitoba Foundation. Uh, Laura, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so what, what is the significance of this? We, we had Patty Smith, CEO of Cancer Care Manitoba Foundation, on last week. And we just wanted to expand on this. Why is this a, a significant campaign for Cancer Care Manitoba Foundation? Oh, it's just so important because it brings a lot of awareness um, to, to the fundraising that we're doing here. Um, you know, through our partnership with, with the Jets and Hockey Fights Cancer, um, we're really able to broaden our reach and, and connect with so many Manitobans and so many people within the hockey community. And and we've just seen this incredible generosity um, come forward. You know, all the funds raised stay in this province and they're going to help advance clinical trials and, and treatments for some of um, our province's younger youngest cancer patients. Um, so, uh, you know, the fundraising and the awareness really is uh, critical to to help advance these treatments and make sure that um, these young people, you know, are getting the best care possible to beat their cancer. And along those lines of uh, raising funds, um, it, it's just a great night for them, for all they've been through, to be able to be out on the ice, to take in a game. Um, you know, they're so appreciative of it, but really it's it's us that are appreciative of them and, and their battle. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. You know what? The kids are so excited. Um, yeah, they're just uh, the ambassadors and their families are just absolutely thrilled. They're so excited about tonight. Um, it really is a very, very special uh, moment for them. And, um, you know, it's just really magical to be a part of it and, and to be there and, to, and, and to, see, to see them in that moment. It's absolutely wonderful. And, um, you know, we've had many, many, like hundreds of very generous season ticket holders donate their tickets um, for tonight's game. So in addition to the ambassadors, there's going to be uh, 
many other pediatric uh, cancer patients and, uh, you know, Manitobans affected by cancer and some of the Cancer Care Manitoba staff, or the, you know, the doctors and the nurses and the healthcare workers there at the game tonight. So um, it's just it's just really nice for, for everyone. Yeah, there's a bunch of items up for auction. I mean, you, you maybe you've seen them. Um, uh, you've seen the booth at, at, at Canada Life Centre of the last little bit, the warm-up uh, jerseys, um, the Hockey Fights Cancer jerseys, uh, the goalie mask, the warm-up used, and, and, as well as the uh, used lavender uh, tape sticks and, and all mm-hmm. that. It's a, just a really big part of, of what makes today special and, and to take note of, um, you know, because, you know, Kelly Moore asking Rick Bonus that off the bat. I mean, it, it really has touched everybody um, out there. So uh, anyways, Laura, I, I really appreciate you just taking a, a few minutes here to, to, to jump on the program and, um, and sort of help us um, make note of how important today is. Oh, thanks so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's uh, switch gears here. I mean, it's a tough way to switch gears here, but there's a Winnipeg Jets hockey game today. Uh, pre-game at 5, uh, puck drop at 7, right here on 680 CJOB. There's going to be mistakes made, and you're going to have bad games. Listen, you play 82 games, man. It's not a Picasso every night, not every period and every shift. It's not. Yeah, there's another team out there. Right? People, you, you never give the other team enough credit. Sometimes it's always you, you guys making mistakes. Well, there's two teams out there trying to win, and the other team's pretty good, right? So you're not going to go out there and control the play all the time. But as in terms of knowing what your responsibilities are, that's a different there, – there's no excuse for that at this point. Yeah, that was a question that uh, Rick Bonus was asked uh, today after uh, following the morning skate. Uh, in terms of Brendan Dillon uh, and some of his comments uh, regarding excuses for the team, you know, Brendan Dillon basically – we'll hear from Brendan Dillon in the next little bit here, but talking about excuses for the team, there's no more of those in not understanding understanding the system there's going to be mistakes made the other team's going to play well uh, but we're 20 games in the system has to be understood by every single member of the team here and uh, just to give you a quick lineup here and, and, and Jim will bring you in here uh, Kyle Connor uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois Morgan Barron moved up to play with those two guys uh, Cole Perfetti Shifley and Wheeler are going to stay the same from um, from the last couple of games Janssen Fialbi uh, as well as Lowry and Menelainen on the third line and Jansen Harkins uh, David Gustafson he's going to be back in the lineup they're going to need him to, uh, on the penalty kill that was confirmed he was uh, initially thought to be a game time decision but he's going to be going in uh, and he's going to be paired up with Mikey Asamont on his right side there. Morrissey, DeMello, uh, Dylan Pionk, Sandberg and Schmidt those guys are going to be staying the same. Uh, Hellebach uh, he is going to be He's going to be in the net there. Uh, Sam Gagne, Dominic Toninato, and Kyle Capibianco uh, are the uh, healthy scratches there. Uh, Hellebach of course in the net. Um, any surprises there? I mean, you. I mean, I, I. I. know the team has been missing Mason Appleton on the right side, and I, there is a little bit of history from last year with with Pierre Luc Dubois. But uh, Barron gets one game to kind of uh, ease his way back into the lineup here, but he's getting thrown right up there with uh, with with Cal Connor and, and Pierre Luc Dubois. And the thought process from from Rick Bonus and the coaching staff as well was allow uh, Morgan Barron to sort of take on the defensive side and allow Cal Connor and Dubois to maybe lean a little bit towards offense. Yeah, this is kind of the system that I've always said that Rick Bonus kind of likes to employ. It's it's get somebody on a line that can find the other guys the puck and get them the puck and do the digging. So yeah. um, good for Morgan Barron. Like, he just came back in the lineup, and I thought he was dynamic in his first game back on the fourth line. So he goes up. Really what's changed is Harkins and Acemont have been very good and had very good games in Chicago and Dallas, and they sort of moved down. But mm-hmm. I think – 
any of this sort of juggling here is a matchup juggling tonight, Cam. I think this is to face the Avs. I think this is a matchup thing at home. And I think that, you know, Harkins and Acemont have done nothing to go down to the fourth line. Um, but they're going to, you know, face off against who they're going to face off in the lineup. So Menelainen, uh, Janssen, Fialbi goes back down to the bottom six from from his game at the top six. But I, I just think this is how Rick Bonus wants to structure each line mm-hmm. for the lines they're going to face against the Avalanche. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the same, uh, you know, deal throughout the entire lineup, and it's something that we've seen as well. Uh, David Riddick, not surprised that he's not going to get the starters net today. Uh, this one circled as one that I, I thought Hellebuck would be in it being a central division matchup and all that and important points four-point swing, all that good stuff. Um, next up, Columbus on Friday and then Anaheim on Sunday. Uh, which of those games do you think David Riddick is going to find his way in there? I I, I think it's Anaheim. That's, that's where I'm thinking because there's going to be a two-day break between now and Columbus. Yeah, I, I would think Anaheim as well, but either one mm. of those they can face. I don't want to yeah. sort of knock them around any bit, but, you know, I, I would think um, – either one of those it would be more for for Hellebuck to to mm-hmm. you know sort of weigh in on where he's at and how busy he is tonight but uh, I would think Riddick will get one of those and and I don't mind you know Connor Hellebuck running this long in a row especially against all division rivals um, and then maybe Friday goes back in there Sunday or vice versa but I, I think he does this four or five game stretch here against or four game stretch against central division rivals he likely gets a night off maybe on on Friday and then goes back in there on Saturday or Sunday against mm-hmm. the Anaheim Ducks but either way it, it, that's kind of how I saw the schedule going I did not think like even on Sunday Hellebuck would get a rest against Chicago divisional games he's going to be in there and then you sort of look what uh, what the schedule looks like going forward yeah David Gustafson uh, you know he's been playing very very well he's only been picking up I mean in terms of offense he's picked up three assists so far over the first 19 games that that he has played in a plus three um I I, I certainly might add I mean that was something we've always talked about Jim is is, is if you're not going to be out there uh providing goals you you better be preventing them as well so he's a plus three so he's been good in that respect and also a lot of this move here um with putting him back in the lineup nothing against Toninato nothing against Sam Gagne uh but they're gonna need a penalty killer I mean the the Colorado Avalanche are coming in here at a 33 plus percent clip here on the power play. That's going to be a big thing for the Winnipeg Jets. They got to stay out of the box. That's a huge thing. Well, for sure, it's penalty killing that's coming into play. But I'll go one further, Cam. We yeah. didn't discuss this yesterday, but against Dallas, they got crushed in the faceoff circle. Sixty nine percent, sixty nine percent of the faceoffs Dallas won. That is crazy. Yeah. And so Rick mentioned that Rick Bonus did, you know, going to the Chicago game when he took Gagne out and and um, uh, brought in who he brought in and sort of went that way of we got to be better in the faceoff dot. He mentioned that in his post game to his team. So I think this is also against the Colorado team. You cannot do that. You cannot lose that many faceoffs. I counted in the last four or five minutes against Dallas. They lost seven in a row. Mm-hmm. And that just is another reason why, you know, lost in the mass controversy and everything else about the two late goals. You can't, you got to, if you win two or three of those seven faceoffs in the last three to four minutes, you might not have given up one of those goals. So uh, I think it's also weighing in on that. Gustafson's good in the circle. That's why they had Toninato in there and took Gagne out, was because of the faceoff circle on Fridays for Sunday's game against Chicago. And I think it's another reason why he's got this lineup tonight. Yeah, Ross Levitan uh, was in uh, the office yesterday and he, you know, he's a Sens fan. We don't talk about that. I mean, that's his shame. He's got to carry that badge himself. Yeah, I mean, he's got to walk backwards down the halls for that. <laughs> it's, it's a different. It's, it's it's more than a cross to bear. I'm not even sure what it is. Um, but anyways, uh, he was asking me yesterday, he says, what's the biggest issue with the Winnipeg Jets so far this year in your eyes? And I thought, well, you know, I, I headed into the season and we, we got to take a break here, but I headed into the season. I thought it was going to be forward depth was going to be their big issue. 
Um, that has kind of been a, I don't I'm a surprise. I mean, it's been deep, and they've been able to find uh, ways to win in terms of their forwards. And I said faceoffs. It's got to be. It's got to be the number one thing I think with the Winnipeg Jets so far this year. Well, gotta, I'm glad, they, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't cut you off, but I'm glad you brought that up because, like, this bottom six has been scoring. Yeah. And, and it's not just the Lowry's and stuff like Asimont has three points in seven games. The other impressive part of these guys coming up depth wise is not only are they producing points, but they're doing so in six or seven games. They've got multiple points. So it's a good sign. But yeah, I agree with you. Faceoffs has been been tough for them. Uh, puck drop at seven o'clock. Pre-game gets going at five. Hockey fights cancer night. Colorado Avalanche in town. Stanley Cup defending. Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Chris Harvey, he's going to the game. He texts the show. He says, my first game tonight in about a year. Got some great seats down by the ice. I am psyched. And then Ian texts the show, 204-780-6868. Hellebuck likes afternoon games. Well, it's it's not an afternoon game, but hey, he likes to play anytime he gets to be uh, in the net. Anyways, hey, and download our podcast, Jets at Noon, uh, on Apple or Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, we are currently, Jim... We're about to become the third biggest podcast in the CGLB family. All we need is oh. one more day. And we, we, we're, 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 we're shorthanded, Jim. We only have, we've only started halfway through the month and we're already rolling up on the couch potatoes. We're bringing it to those Marvel movie guys. Well, I don't know what I'm going to think of some insult to throw out. Those them, movie guys better watch any given Sunday. Cause we're coming with that. Inch. <laughs> Jets at noon on six, eight CJOB. Yeah, I mean, we had him as his first star of the weekend out of the NHL miss out. And, uh, no, I, I've, been, I've been very fortunate um, in my career to play with some unbelievable defensemen. And as you said, the, the Carlsons, the Burns, um, it's, uh, it's something where you see these offensive and, and talented players, you know, they, they think differently about the game. Um, you know, Josh is, Josh is a guy that works so hard every day in practice and uh, continues to work. Even, uh, you know, even today after all that, it'd be pretty easy to just come in and kind of you know he's out there on the ice he's doing his same routines and um that's a credit to him you know he's stuck with it um he's, he's a big part of our our, our team our, our group defensively and um there's a reason why uh, the team's been having so much success with him as well uh, that was uh, brendan Dillon uh again after the morning skate today talking about uh josh morrissey we'll get to that conversation in, in just a second i just wanted to apologize to ian our texter um when he said uh, hellebuck likes afternoon games and i made the pretty stupid comment of saying well it's a, not an afternoon game today uh ian was in reference to uh, when i asked jim about if david riddick because we know he's looking to get at least one start per week um, if Riddick is either going to play against Columbus or he's going to play against Anaheim, well, Ian was in reference to uh, the game. The fact of the matter is the the Anaheim game on Sunday, December fourth, is an afternoon game, which which is a two o'clock puck drop. And in thinking that he would get that start over the one in Columbus, so my apologies uh, to Ian for um, insulting your intelligence, my friend. You uh, made a very good point. I didn't say anything because it's embarrassing for you. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I, I, I got uh, my reference was was uh, Ian was referencing was uh, oh you I you got it am I that stupid you, well no oh, it's God. just it's um he, we're talking about today's game so I totally get how, yeah. how you missed that but uh, he does love afternoon games and that goes back to college hey eh? like college players love playing afternoon games and junior players hate playing afternoon games because they usually played at night mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and uh, Dom Texas show just talking about faceoffs as well uh, Dom says face and Texas show 204-780-6868 faceoffs have been a big problem for a long time especially at the start of the PP and, and start of the PK and in, and in my keys to the game uh, earlier today on the start I, I had faceoffs there and I you know the Winnipeg Jets are 
They're I think they're 20th right now, and they got a big burst there because they scored seven against Chicago. Uh, but I think they're 20th right now in the league in goals scored, which isn't horrible, but you'd like to see that improve. And Jim, I think a big part of that has been the fact that because they haven't been winning faceoffs and they're one of the bottom teams, I think they're 28th in the league right now in faceoffs. Um, <laughs> surprisingly, and this is something I want to talk to uh, Connor McGay when he joins us at 1245 uh, about this. The Avalanche are actually dead last, and they, I think they were fifth last last year. So it hasn't been that big of a concern with them, you know, going on to win the Stanley Cup and stuff like that. But uh, I, I think it's been a big part as, as to why the Winnipeg Jets maybe haven't sort of turned the corner in terms of their offense because losing key faceoffs. I mean, that gives. It takes away your offensive chances. It takes away more offensive zone time. Yeah, I look, this debate has been going on since analytics and metrics came into the game. And and there's been some numbers come out that prove that or show that, you know, winning a faceoff isn't that, you know, instrumental as some people think in a hockey game. I, I just disagree. Like, it, yeah. it's just plain and simple. We're overthinking this. Would you rather have the puck? So I just. Well, yeah, I, I would you rather have you the know, puck like, in your offensive zone? Yeah, like you, you can. We can debate this and show the the analytics around it, and I've seen them, and I, I get that. Like it doesn't show that an overwhelming success is when you're you're a really good faceoff team. But that being said, it, like in Dallas, when they lost seven in a row in the last four, would you have liked the Jets to have won a couple of those? So I just you can you can you know see the impact of it overall. But the bottom line is is you don't need a lot of numbers to know that if you win the faceoff, you get possession of the puck and you're just always better. How much better you want to debate it? Feel feel free. I don't I don't care. You, you got to be good in the faceoff circle. It's like anything else in the game. You're better for it if you're good at it. And when you're not very good at it, bad things happen. And I think we saw that in Dallas. Now is that going to happen every game? No. Are the Jets going to lose seven in a row in the last four minutes? No, but spin it around how everybody wants to spin it around. Again, would you rather have the puck? Yeah. Yes, I would. So, I mean, face-offs are important. Yeah, you I could debate how important, but I just think you'd rather have it, and they're important. Yeah, it's like in the playoffs, too. You know, there's not... I mean, it's there's an advantage to playing at home, but not, like, that crazy of a significant advantage. But, hey, you want to get first change. You want to be playing in front of your home fans. It, 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 it does... It does end up being a benefit, and you know, um, in terms of you know, you you want the puck in the offensive zone, and if you're going to win faceoffs in your offensive zone, you're probably going to lead to more chances. That's it's just as simple as that for me. I, I wanted to talk about Josh Morrissey, and this is a conversation that we've been we've been having here on on the program with fans. It's been a it's been a big debate, and heading into this season too, it was something that constantly came up. Jim was there was like this idea of the Winnipeg Jets, and I agreed with it 100 percent that the Winnipeg Jets needed a bona fide stud defenseman, a guy, a shutdown guy that at the same time is out there producing points, perhaps a point per game. And it, it, we were looking at it, it's like, well, where do you find the, the Roman Yossi's or the, or the Eric Carlson's or the, or the Kale McCarr who's in town tonight to play against the Winnipeg Jets here with the Colorado Avalanche? Those guys aren't traded. They, you know, they're held, like it's very, it's very rare that an Alex Petrangelo hits the market. Right, Jim. I mean, it's a very it's it's a rarity when a guy like that becomes available. You, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Like you have to develop them. And the Winnipeg Jets, they got him. They found him. Josh Morrissey, twenty games into there, he is that guy. Twenty games in, twenty three points plus six, four goals, nineteen assists, tied for third right now in defensive points with with Rasmus Dahlin, only trading, only trailing Adam Fox and Eric Carlson right now. Well, and the thing about Josh Morrissey is, it's like you, you want to define number one stud D-men, and I get that. But to me, this number one stud D-men debate is a lot like, you know, number one Vesna goalie winning 
um, goalies. It's like the idea that you would trade Connor Hellebuck when he wasn't playing well. It's asinine to me, and I'll tell you why. Look at the list of Vesna or Norris Trophy finalists the last decade, and then look at it the decade prior to that. It's There's not 12 names there. There's a list of five to maybe seven players for over 10 years in a row. And so you don't find them. You don't get them. Markstrom at 30 years old to be up for the Vesna was an anomaly. Um, so when we talk about this, and this was pointed out to me by a former NHL goaltender years ago, he's like, everybody's waiting for the next Hasek. Everybody this. He goes, the bottom line is there's three to four goalies that 60 to 70 games a year, you know what you're going to get, no doubt. And the rest of them are really good goalies that are going to have five to 10 bad games a year. And he said, the idea that everybody wants Hasek or everybody wants Brodeur, that doesn't exist. And I think the same for bona fide number one Norris winning defenseman. Mm-hmm. You you look at Josh Morrissey for a couple of years now, and everybody just goes, well, he's not a number one D-man. Well, there's 32 number one D-mans in the league, and there's only about six to maybe seven, I'll even say six, that are stud number one, bona fide, without a doubt, big, physical, defending, high-scoring defenseman. And Josh Morrissey is in that class right now, of being the next tier right after that. That doesn't mean there's a lot of issues with his game. It just, you know, I, I think he's on the trajectory that that everybody kind of thought he would be. And and I go back to people were writing him off a couple of years ago. You know, when he joined us yesterday, he said something about his offense. And it was, I just know my role. Like I've never, I've been given more opportunity than ever this year. And look at the names ahead of him. Jacob Truba, Dustin Bufflin, we can go down the list of guys that have come through this system that he's, you know, and then a couple of years ago, they go, well, he was on the number one power play or, or they didn't. Well, I, I just, I think he's developing. And that's the thing I asked him yesterday, Cam, that, that always sticks out to me is we look at these players after five or six years and go, that's what they are. And we think that they go home in the summer and no matter what your position is, you just work on the same things about getting in really good shape and skating once in a while. And we forget that these guys look at their own games, pay specialty coaches, and try to develop at 26, 27, 28. And I just think what we're seeing here is what Josh mentioned yesterday, more opportunity, but also continuing to work on the things he wants to get better at. So his point totals the last couple of years, I'll go back to, well, look, his rookie year, 2016, 17, 20 points, then 26 points the following year, then two straight years of 31 points, and then uh, a year, two years ago, 21. And I think everybody sort of sat here and said, he's a 30 to 34, five point guy. And I just never saw that from Josh Morrissey going back to his junior days and how he played with the Moose. He was a rookie with the Moose the year that I covered the entire season there. And he struggled the first three months. He struggled to find aspects of his game collectively at the same time. And then by January, it was all there. And then you go up a level and it just takes a while. So, look, I, I is he a Norris Trophy candidate? I think he's going to be nominated for one before his career is done, for sure. Yeah. I, I really yeah. do. And and here's the other thing about him is I had a debate a long time ago with a friend of mine that Jacob Truba would be nominated for a Norris. And I never saw that with Truba. And I'm not downplaying him because he's a captain of another team. He's, he's back on a number one pairing and everything. But Jacob Troop is a big physical puck-moving defenseman who will get points if he's on a number one power play. I just find Josh Morrissey to have more in his arsenal skating-wise, position-wise, and and overall, and this isn't a knock on Truba, 
just overall hockey sense. Yeah. Josh Morrissey, one of the things he's producing so well this year, Cam, sorry, but one of the things he's producing so well is his vision and hockey knowledge. He has amazing vision for a defenseman. So I just think it's all coming together for him. Yeah, we got to take a break here. But the thing also, too, is I just wanted to mention, Josh Morrissey's only 27 years old. It is rare to see, and you saw Victor Hedman, Brent Burns, you know, Alex Petrangelo, those guys in the Norris conversation. It takes a long time to develop into that guy. The Adam Foxes and the Kale McCars and like the Eric Carlsons who came into the league and, you know, just all of a sudden were point producers and, and the big guy. That's a much bigger rarity than these guys who've developed over time. It takes a lot longer to be a very effective defenseman because you need to have that experience. It, it, not that you don't need experience as a forward, but as a defenseman, it's that much more important. And defensemen usually come into their own around that time, around 27, 28, 29. Totally um, agree with you. Yeah. Like it's 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 about development. And like we do this all the time because players come into the league so young now. Yeah. But I always say when any player comes in, I used to say it about Patrick Line, I, I don't know what he is yet i just see the shot but I, i'd like to see him at 26 27 28 i would love to see him in an all-around game and 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 some meat on his bones and and i think that's for every player because they used to come in at 24 25 right yeah and now they're coming in at 19 20 but i i think you take, a it, guy take it on what top is. top nhl yeah. of, uh you know offensive points gets Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. And we welcome on to the program Connor McGahey, play-by-play announcer with the Colorado Avalanche. Connor, how you doing, man? Fine, gentlemen. How are you all? Hey, we Connor, are fine. good. <laughs> we, were, we were having a conversation about face-offs, and I'm sure this is something that you're very, very much aware of. Um, in, in, in terms of, you know, the Winnipeg Jets are not a great face-off team. They're 28th in the league right now. The Colorado Avalanche are last right now in the league. But, you know, last year, the Colorado Avalanche, I remember having this conversation with you last year too, Connor. They weren't a great face-off team either. I mean, I think they were fifth last to end the, to end, the, end of the year. But obviously they went on to, to find success. So how much emphasis is there on getting, turning the face-off circle around for the Colorado Avalanche? Well, I've asked Jared Bednar this a couple of times, and he says, no, it, it's not great to be last in the league at anything. I mean, face-off wins obviously give you puck possession, which is which is what the Avalanche are built on. They're, they're a puck possession team, um, and so it, it gives you one more step to have to win the puck back if you, if you don't win the draw. But I always go back to the 16-17 season um, for the Avalanche, which is the worst season in, in modern NHL history for the Avalanche, 48 points. They were the best face-off team in the National Hockey League. So uh, it doesn't always translate to success. But, uh, but yeah, I, I know that they're probably not pleased. Look, you have some of your better uh, – like Newhook has had to improve because he would step into the face-off circle and he almost got called out a couple times by, uh, by the coaching staff. Like, look, we need to at least dig in a little bit, try and win it back. JT Comp for one of your better guys. Uh, Miko Rantanen will, will step in and take some draws. But again, you don't have a Bo Horvat, right, who's who's going to be the guy that's going to go in there and, and win the, the face-offs 55% of the time. Now, I will give Nathan McKinnon a lot of credit. That's an area where he has improved vastly over the years. Um, but again, you don't have really that guy um, in existence at the moment for the Avalanche. But they're off to a one-game better start uh, than last year. Uh after a four, four and one start, twelve and six, and again, it hasn't quite uh, been the, the death nail yet in their game. 
I was going to ask you about the record, uh, Connor. How has this team improved or changed from that last time these two teams met in the first month for that 4-3 overtime win by Winnipeg? Well, it's it's tough, Jim, because, I mean, we have – I mean, I, I was talking with uh, with Paul and, and Dan um, this morning, and I was going through the list of injuries. No Landis Gog, no Nachushkin, no Helm, no Byram, no McDermott, no Bowers, no Martin Kaut. I mean – the list is long but distinguished. So the fact that they're able to to get wins uh, and, and look, everyone says, well, you still have McKinnon, Ranton, and, and McCarr and Taves in the lineup. They said, I, I understand that. But when, we, when it comes to depth, you're, you're talking about a line and a half of, of really time-proven NHL forwards. Now, that will get a little bit of a bump tonight because Alex Galchenyuk will make his avalanche debut um, out there on the second unit power play this morning. Um at Avalanche Morning Skate, but I, I think systematically, with an emphasis on on the little things, uh, the ability to check, the ability to be in the right place at the right time, which forward is here when the puck is on the defenseman's stick, right side, left side, those are concepts that are taught at the AHL level with the Eagles. Greg Cronin does a good job with that, and so when you do have this crossover and, and call up, it, it's not this huge long adjustment period. For anybody, whether you're Martin Kaut, whether you're Jason Megna, whether you're Jean-Luc Flutie, who will make his NHL debut tonight, uh, coming up from the Colorado Eagles, younger brother of Liam Flutie of Columbus, who you guys will see on Friday. Mm -hmm. But I just think it's the consistency of how the game is played between the AHL and the NHL that that at least gives the Avalanche a chance to have the puck. And you, you haven't had a ton of production from... You're really bottom nine forwards. Alex Newhook has is, is probably been the brightest star when it comes to uh, the bottom half of your lineup. Everything has been coming from the blue line or McKinnon and Ranton, and it seems. But, but I, I will say that the bottom six forwards have done a nice job at not being a liability, and I think that's led to the Avalanche to be able to capitalize on their opportunities, a lot of them coming on the power play, which is ranked first in the NHL. Yeah. Connor McGay, because of my terrible time management, that's that's all the time we have here today. But enjoy the game. Have a great time. <laughs> the pregame shows gets going here on 680 CGOB at 5, puck drop at 7. Connor, always a pleasure talking to you, man. You take Connor, care, okay? I had, 19 probably, more, I had 19 more questions, but we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> that's <laughs> probably five minutes more than people want. <laughs> Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.